All right, so last week we uh, was talking about how we can't do it alone. We need God's part in everything. And uh, I'm going to look at some of the things that we need to be doing for ourselves. And uh, sometimes when we do things, we don't see the whole picture. We're missing pieces that we need, and we kind of overlook things. So if you want to draw your sword out of the sheath this morning, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3. And if you don't know what the sword of the Lord is, that'd be your Bible. And uh, we're going to, got quite a few things we're going to read through there. So if you want to get to Proverbs. And in chapter 3 and verse 1, we'll start. My son, forget not my law. But thy heart keep my commandments. For the length of the days and long life and peace, they shall add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them around thy neck, write them upon the table of thy heart. For thy shall find favor and good understanding in the light of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to your own understanding. And always acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and thy marrow of thy bones. Honor thy Lord with substance and with the fist fruits of all thy increase. So thy shall burn and be filled with plenty, and the presses shall burst out with new wine. My son defies not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary nor his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, correcteth, even as the Father, the Son, and whom he delighteth. And I want to catch 14 and 30 while we're right there in that area, which is of a sound heart and light of the flesh, but envy of thy rottenness of thy bones. And let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for what you have for us today. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord. Just take all the roadblocks out of the way that prevent us from getting this message today, Father. Just take myself out of the way, Father, and let your true word shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, God is a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And we are made in His image. Three-part being. We have a body, our physical body, what we see, what we touch, what we feel, the thing that makes us feel good, the thing that makes us hurt, our body. We have our, our mind, our soul, the essence of us, what makes us us, what we think, our personality, what we do. And then we have our spirit. And our spirit, that is what changes. That's what, when we accept Jesus and he comes upon us, and it changes it, it modifies it, it makes it better, it washes it clean, it's upgraded. Now God, in his three in the Trinity, he's in perfect unity. That's all he really needs is the Trinity. Now, for us to be in balance, all three of our units need to be in harmony as well. They're all equally important. They all make up who we are, and they all require routine care and maintenance. Let's take our bodies, for instance. You know, there's lots of things we can do for our bodies. We can eat right. We can exercise. We have all kinds of supplements we can take. We can vitamins. There's creams and lotions. There's medications we take. 
And there is doctors that specialize in every single parts of our body. There's foot doctors, heart doctors, there's brain doctors, there's... You get the idea. Now, for our minds, there's all kinds of things we can... We can, well, continue with our bodies. There's all kinds of things we can do. We try to upgrade them. We try to make them better. We can tan them. We can get massage. We can get acupuncture. We avoid the things that cause us pain. We do more of the things that give us pleasure. Now, our bodies often will take priority over our three units because it's the one that requires the most attention. It's the one that seems to affect us the most because when you're hurt, it shuts you down. When it feels good, it's distracting. When we're hungry, we feed it. When we feel good, we repeat it. Now our mind is something we spend a lot of time in. We think about things. We talk to ourselves. We run scenarios through our head. We store memories in it. We store our fears in it. And sometimes things get a little jumbled up. Sometimes we need a little extra help. But luckily, there's people that can do that. There's psychologists. There's psychotherapists. There's counselors. All kinds of people that can help you. And there's all kinds of medicines we can take too. There's lots of things we can do with our mind. And for our maintenance, we educate it. We train it. And we try to keep it as sharp as possible. We also entertain it. So what about our spirit? What do we do for it? Well, we might pray. We might go to church. Maybe we read the Bible. But it definitely takes a back seat to the other two. So why is spiritual health so important? Now, at some point in our lives, we have all been in some kind of physical distress. A broken bone. A cut. A kidney stone, a surgery, cancer, and even simple things like the flu or a bad cold can really affect you. Because when the body hurts, it shuts us down. It keeps us from going forward. It keeps us from doing what we need to do. People that live with chronic pain or chronic sickness can often feel depressed. They can feel anxiety. So it's real easy to see the correlation, the connection between the physical body and the mind. They work back and forth with one another. When we feel good, we act good, we do good, we're energetic. But when we feel bad, we are not at our emotional best. But you see, our spiritual health both directly affects both our physical health and our mental health. Proverbs 23 and 21. For the drunkard and a glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Now the Bible doesn't tell us that we can't have a drink. So I'm not going to get on that bandwagon. But it does mention to us several times that drinking in excess is a problem that we shouldn't overindulge. Now, there's more than one reason for this, and the first thing that comes to mind is is because of 
how people behave in a drunken state. It affects our behavior in a negative way. It can offend others. It can be costly. It can, uh, it can be a, a problem with our behavior. But also it affects us in a way that we don't see. We don't see it directly. We see it over time in a negative way is how it affects us physically. Alcohol poisoning is one way. Overindulgence can cause physical damage to the body, even death. A more common thing is, is excessive drinking over periods of time causes cirrhosis of the liver. And of course, it also can be an addiction. We see a physical aspect, negative, and a negative mental aspect of overindulgence. So, God tells us, do not drink in excess. So, when we go against anything that God tells us, that is a sin. So, if I had a little chalkboard up here, I'd draw the little equation that sin equals sickness. Well, let's continue. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3. For this is the will of God, even in your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. God tells us to not do something else. So if we indulge in it, it is a sin. So what does this sin do to the body? It opens us up to the process of STDs, STIs, and unwanted pregnancy. Negative physical aspects of sin. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know ye not what your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. At 24, ye have brought the her prize to the glory of God from your body, which in spirit, which are God's. So we can kind of use these two scriptures here as kind of for a catch-all for anything that we might overindulge in or some kind of a poison that we might dump into our bodies. Um, tobacco products, for example. If we indulge in those, it can cause cancer heart disease, and emphysema, drug abuse, neurological problems, organ failure. And of course, both of them are very addictive. Eating, overeating, overindulgence of food, obesity, diabetes, heart disease. Sin equals sickness. Sometimes doctors can't seem to find a problem. There are times that no matter what you try, you cannot seem to get better. We have to treat the problem at the source and not just the symptoms. Like if you have a fever. You can have a fever, you can take some Tylenol. Fever will come down. You'll feel better momentarily, but the fever is going to come back. And each time you treat it, it's going to continually coming back because something is causing the fever. So what we have to do is look at the source. So if the source is an infection, you don't need Tylenol. You need antibiotics to fight the infection. Once the infection is taken care of, then you'll no longer have a fever. But sometimes what we need is not a pill. We need God. Because it is, is a spiritual problem that is our source. 
When our spiritual is affecting our physical and our mental, there's no pill that can fix that. There's no doctor that can fix that. God is the only source that can fix it at the source. Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, which is our Lord. The wages of sin is death. We don't like to talk about death. Not a very upbeat subject. But it's a realization for each and every one of us. The wages of sin is death. Adam. He lived 930 years after the fall of man. Now, we don't know how long he was there in the Garden of Eden before man fell, but he had a a long life, I would say, 930 years in sin. Noah made it to the ripe old age of 950. Methuselah holds the, the record at 969 years. And then we start to see a, a different direction. Abraham, he only made it to 175. And Moses was 120. Now when we see these astronomically high ages, you know, we think that's, that's the miracles of the Bible. That, you know, that's... There, but there's there's something something more to it. Psalms nine and ten tells us that the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason strength there be four score years, and yet their strength and labor and sorrow for soon is cut off and we fly away. However you want to look at it, our time is very limited. And we see today that very few people ever get to celebrate a triple digit birthday. And you have to wonder why that is. Because we live in an amazing, amazing time right now. We are more technologically advanced right now than we've ever been. The medical professionals can do things now that wasn't even dreamed of 20, 30, 40 years ago. Amazing technology. And yet, with all these medical advancements, with all this knowledge... We can't seem to live any longer. We can't add years to our life. And it's nothing to do with medicine. It has to do with sin. Sin is the reason. Man fell. Sin came upon the world. And from that very moment, it continues to multiply. Now, I realize I haven't made a movie reference in quite a while, so I think it's time I carry on with that tradition. So, let me go give you a movie reference. All right, so we've all seen, at least you've seen the trailers on TV for the zombie movies, the zombies apocalypse. It's, it's popular. Ever since George A. Romano made the very first Night of the Living Dead way back in the 60s, it's been a tradition that's been carried on. And with movies like World War Z and TV shows like The Walking Dead, the zombie train is alive and well. Now they say that, whoever that they is again, they say that art imitates life. 
And I've seen some similarities between this genre of movie and how sin affects our world. So hold on, you ain't going to get stuff like this just anywhere. Alright, so every movie involved in this genre shares something similar. There's always a patient zero. Where it all begins. The first one infected. And for us, for man, for sin coming in the world, patient zero was Adam. He was the very first one infected. And through these movies, the infection spreads very quickly. Because another person gets affected and another person it keeps multiplying. And the more it multiplies, the more of a chance of somebody else to get infected. And it doesn't take very long at all. There is now a worldwide epidemic. And that's where we're at with sin today. It's a worldwide epidemic. There's not a person that is not affected by sin today. But there's more. You know... You see the zombies, they shuffle around. They're lifeless. They're without out thought. They're without anything, just driven by just wandering around. And that represents the unsaved people of the world. They're just moseying around in herds without any kind of direction, without any kind of meaning. Without any kind of purpose other than to cause damage. That's also the ones that may have found God, but now they're unbelieving or they're uncaring. It's the people that's choosing to live in the world instead of to live in the light of God. So it brings us to the, the heroes of the movie. And depending on which one, it may not always turn out too good. But we have the other group. We have the survivors. And what do they do? They have to go into hiding. They have to barricade themselves in. They have to protect themselves. And that's just what Christians are today. We have all this sin. And we're having to fall back. To keep from coming under attack. To keep from being ran over. And if we're not real careful, just like in the movies... One by one, the believers will be picked off. They'll be overcame by the hordes of the zombie sin and be overtaken. Sin is like a cancer. Cancer's nasty. So what do we do when we find out? What do the doctors do? Well, if they can, they go in there and they cut it out. If they can't cut it out, they burn it out. They nuke it with radiation. So what happens when cancer goes untreated? It continues to multiply. It goes in and it affects uninfected areas of the body. And from there, it takes root and it multiplies. Just like sin. Matthew 5 and 29 tells us, If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not the whole body shall be cast in cell. 
At 30, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members shall perish, but that the whole body shall be cast into hell. Matthew 18 and 8. Therefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. For it is better to enter into life, halt or maimed, and rather than having two hands or two feet, and be cast into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is better to enter life with one eye, and rather than having two eyes, and cast into the hell of fire. Jesus is talking about cutting sin out of your life. He's talking about stopping the cancer before it can spread. Romans 2 and 14. For when the Gentiles, which do not have the law, do by nature the things contain the law, these having not the law, are the law unto themselves, which do thy work of thy law written unto their hearts. For their conscience is also bearing witness of their thoughts and mean while accusing or assaulting excusing another. In the day which God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. You know, there's people out there that just refuse to believe that God exists. But whether you believe God exists or not, the fact is we are made in God's image. It is His Spirit that is in us. That is our conscience. That is what's telling you no. That is what's telling you not. That is what's telling you what is right and wrong. So no matter if you've never stepped foot in a church, no matter if you've never even picked up and held a Bible, let alone read what's inside this cover, you still know right and wrong. You can see it in a little child. They know when they're doing something they're not supposed to. We know when we're doing something we're not supposed to. We have that feeling in there. This leading us and guiding us. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Every one of us. So no matter our best efforts, we are still going to mess up. We are going to sin. That's what sinners do. We're going to hurt people. We're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to do bad things. No matter how hard we try not to. When we have Jesus Christ, when we have taken him as our Lord and personal Savior, we can seek forgiveness. We're forgiven for all the past stuff, everything we did to that point. And then when we screw up again, we can say, Lord, please, I'm sorry. We can repent. But there's people out there that do not know Jesus. So they cannot seek forgiveness. And when you cannot seek forgiveness, you're carrying around a burden, a guilt, an irritation from your conscience that you get from a life of sin. But the thing of it is, it's not just unbelievers that feel this way. There's believers. There are people that wholeheartedly Believe in God. That they have taken and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They even come to church. But yet, despite all these things, their spirit is a bit sick. 
They are spiritually sick and it is affecting their mind and it is affecting their body. And it's because of lies. Lies they came to believe is truth. Because Satan has whispered in their ear that you're no good. How can you act that way and be saved? How can you do the things you do and have Jesus in your heart? What you did is unforgivable. What you did is too bad that you're never going to go to heaven acting that way. You can't call yourself a Christian and do the things you do. Satan tells them that. The world tells them that. And pretty soon they start to believe it. So even know that God is with them. They don't believe it in their hearts that they can be forgiven. So they don't ask for forgiveness. They don't repent. And most importantly, they don't receive the forgiveness. They don't allow God to take away this burden. They don't allow God to take away this guilt, this fear, this anxiety that comes from living in a world of sin. Just this environment we are in, we are surrounded by sin each and every day. And it takes a toll on us. That's why all three of our systems have to be strong so they can work together to battle this world of sin that we live in. We're sick. We have to fight it at the source. So what do we do? We have to get into the Word. We have to read, listen to what God has promised us. God tells us that He cannot lie. Jesus is God. He cannot lie. And He tells us that we are forgiven. He tells us that no matter what we do, we are loved. So if God tells us this, and He cannot lie, why are we not believing it? Satan wants us to be broken. Satan wants us to be unhealthy, not mentally stable, because when our systems go down, we can't be the best version of ourselves that we can be. God wants to, uh, Satan wants to use this as a tool. He says, look at that Christian. He goes to church every Sunday. But yet, he's broken, he's battered, and he's bruised. What's God doing for him? Absolutely nothing. So when the poor person out there on the street just never came to God, they see that and it's like, well, why bother? Why should I waste my time? Why should I waste my resources? When the fact of the matter is, it's not God at all. God's not the problem. It's us. We're not doing what we need to do. If you go to the doctor and he tells you all these things that he needs to do to get healthy. 
If you have that cancer and you go to that doctor and he says, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to take, we need to have surgery, we need to have radiation, we need to have, you need to take this medication. This is the only way you're going to recover. If we don't take that recommendation, if we don't do what he tells us, if we don't follow the expert, then we're not going to make it. We're not going to survive. God is the expert. He is the spiritual self-guru. He is the person that made us. He is part of us. We are made in His image. There is no other person better to take care of us than Him. So let's start doing it. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know there is need amongst us, Father. I know that we have struggles each and every day in different aspects of our lives, Father, that, that we're plagued in different areas. And oftentimes, Father, we don't see the spiritual side of things. We don't even realize that it's part of our, our, our system, Father. And we ask you to open our eyes to it and to see and to point out the cracks in our spiritual self, Father. To aid us in healing these cracks, Father. To heal in these wounds that we've accumulated over years of abuse of living in this sinful world, Father. We know that Jesus came. He's already overcame the world. We know that we have everything that Jesus has, Father. That means that we can overcome the world, too. We just ask you to show us how we can tap into that strength, Father. How we can tap into what we already have and be healed. By the stripes of Jesus... We are healed, the world, the word tells us, Father. And that's more than just our physical and our mind, Father, but our spirit as well. And we ask today, Father, for a total hearing, mind, body, and spirit, for each and every one of us here, Father. And for the ones that's out there that's roaming around lost, Father, that don't have a way to seek forgiveness. They're carrying them burdens around, Father, that these burdens will be dropped off today, Father. That the ones that's hearing my voice today, Father, and that are struggling with things from the past, things that's presently going on, Father, that we will, they will be able to overcome. We thank you for this, Father, and ask everything in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Page 383 in your hymnal.